Father, in this time that we open your word together, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak into our lives, our hearts, our minds, our decisions, our relationships. Lord, that you would guide and direct that we might become more like Christ, treating one another as Christ would treat us, and living for those things that are for his glory. In his name we pray. Amen. I invite you to be seated. As we get started this morning, I have a visual for you to consider. It's a visual that has become very uh, important in our household, something that we, on a daily basis now, deal with. Marble Run. Anybody with little kids or big kids might know about Marble Run. Um, So this is a very short one. Um, This whole box is filled with lots of pieces. There's tubes to build it up. There's ramps for the marble to go on. And it's a very simple concept. You've got marbles, and you put your marbles in, and it goes down the ramp. And of course, at this level, it's not nearly as exciting as when you take that whole box and you just fill it up. And it's primarily for our four-year-old who does this. But we'll build it taller than he is sometimes. And so he's like taking the marble and reaching up to put it on there. Or he'll take numerous marbles. Like, here's five marbles and just watch them all go down. And as I was watching him do this, and I was building it myself, and I was thinking about this, this is a pretty good illustration of life. Of life serving the Lord. And here's what I mean. There are a bunch of ways that you can build this thing. And they're all right. There's a number of ways that you can construct this thing and the marbles will still go down it well. However, even among ways that are right, there are some that are built better than others. Sometimes we build it and the marble goes partway down and then it gets stuck and you got to help it. It'll go down, you just got to help it out a little bit because there was maybe a better way of building it. But there's also wrong ways of building it. The ramps go a certain direction. There's a hole on one side and no hole on the other side because the marble hits the side without the hole, goes down, and then goes through the hole to the next thing. If you flip this around, your marble doesn't go anywhere. If the ramp is the wrong direction, your marble doesn't go anywhere. So this thing is very much how I believe life is. There's a number of ways we can do life. There's a number of directions we can take, decisions we can make, positions we can hold that could be right in different ways. Some are more right than others. Um, and then there's our things, things that are wrong. Let me give you a theological one that won't be difficult for anybody here that will let me kind of move into my message. When we think about communion, You could come up to me and you could say, I believe Jesus is spiritually present every time I take communion. And I would say, I think it's a good position to hold. 
Somebody else could be standing next to you and say, I, I mean, I think something, something is happening there. I don't really know what it is. I mean, I kind of feel like I meet with Jesus, but I'm not sure. And I would say, that's okay too. Um, if you came to me and you said this, nothing happens at communion. It's just a piece of bread. It's some wine. In fact, I'm not even sure we should be doing communion. I would say, I think you're wrong. I think you're now going against God's word. So here's what I want you to think as we move into our passage. There are a lot of things we can do, believe, different positions, choices. And it's not as if every single one of them is always exactly black and white And only this is right and that's always wrong. And at the same time, there is right and wrong. So how do we tell the direction we should go? That is what Paul begins to tell Timothy. I invite you to open up your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I will give you the page number as soon as I get to it. 2 Timothy chapter 4 page 1697 in the Pew Bible. If God has given us freedom to make choices, how do we determine the best ones to make? So, Paul has written two letters to Timothy. This is his second letter, and it's his final one. And this is the final chapter in his final letter. So you can imagine that as Paul is going, all right, the last thing I'm going to say to young Timothy as he leads the church in Ephesus, whatever it is, it's going to be hugely significant. And we get an idea of just how significant by the very first verse. This is how he starts it. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. All right. Can I just say Paul is not messing around here? I mean, just listen to what he just said. In the presence of God himself and of Christ Jesus, the one who's going to come to judge the living and the dead, the one who, by the way, is actually going to appear, he's physically returning, and he's bringing his kingdom in its fullness. Before the creator and judge and ruler of all things, I'm giving you this charge. Now, if I'm Timothy, I don't know about you, I don't, you don't have to admit this, but have you ever been reading the Bible and at some point you're like, I have no idea what I just read because I kind of dozed off in the middle of it? Anyone had that experience? All right, so if you head bobs, good. If you're not bobbing your head, you don't read the Bible, right? Because <laughs> it happens. If Timothy at any point had dozed off a little bit through Paul's letter, this was the point where he went, wait, what? And here's what I want to do with you this morning. The scripture is intended for the people of God. What I'm preaching this morning and whatever is faithful to this text, and if I say something that's not, you can ignore it. Whatever is faithful to this text, I'm charging you this morning in the presence of God who will judge the living and the dead 
and of the appearing of Christ and his kingdom. To hear these words because they're that significant. Here's what Paul says to Timothy. Preach the word. Now, I have to stop there. And here's why. That charge is very specific to Timothy. That charge could be given to me or maybe to another pastor or something like that, but that is not the primary charge to the congregation of God. But this is what I think the charge is. Take to heart the word of God. Hear the word of God. Listen carefully and apply the word of God. Right now, if we went back a little bit in chapter 3, what you would see is this. He's just said all scripture is breathed out by God. And it's profitable for correction and rebuke, for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be fully equipped for all the things God wants for them. And now Paul comes along and says to Timothy, I want you to preach this word. I'm saying to the church, I want you to take this word to heart. Now, Paul goes on, and here's the advantage for all of us, okay? Because has anyone not heard a pastor say, listen to the Bible? I mean, have you not heard the pastor say, you should pay attention to what God says? Of course. But here's what he does for Timothy. He tells him how to preach And he tells him why. And I think they apply to us. How? What's our attitude that we are supposed to have in taking to heart the word of God? And then why? What's our attitude and why? So here's what he says to Timothy. And here's what he says to us. If you want to really build up your life Taking this marble run, if this is your life, if you really want to build it up in a right way, Paul says you need this kind of attitude in listening to the word of God. Right? Three things. Number one, you need to be aware. You need to be aware. Go back into the text. Here's where he starts. Preach the word, and then there's You'll see that semicolon in there. He's beginning to explain what he means by that. Be prepared in season and out of season. Be prepared in season and out of season. Be prepared, Timothy, to preach the word when it is easy and when it is hard. Be prepared, Timothy, to preach the word when people want to listen and when they don't want to listen. Be always prepared, no matter what season it is. Church, be always prepared to hear the word of God, whether it's convenient or not convenient, whether it's difficult to listen to or really easy and you're eating it up. Be aware of the word because the word can come in multiple forms, from preaching to a song to the radio to a verse you see to something that someone reminds you of. Be aware that God is always wanting to speak to us through his word. Right? That song that we just sang, it is an amazing song about who God is. And it is being taken right out of the scriptures. 
Are you aware of those truths? And I don't just mean like, yeah, they're, they're kind of bouncing in and out. I mean, but like internalizing. Are you aware of God's faithfulness? That he's the same today, yesterday, and always. Are you aware of those things? So I would argue that part of our issue in hearing the word of God is we have too much going on in our lives and we put too many things above listening to the word so that we just aren't aware of it. And I think that's easy to do. So I know only a few of you can probably see this. Um, some of you might be able to know what it is from the back like my kids. Um, what is this? It's a Lego. This is a minifig. Do you know how many of them there are around our church right now? Okay, there's one over there. Killian. We got some in that window over there. We got them in this window over here and this window over here. We've got them up here on the top that you wouldn't be able to see unless you were maybe lighting candles. We've got them over here if you happen to be on the worship team. We've got a few over here that are peeking out. In fact, one of them is Spider-Man, um, who's peeking out of the lectern. Um, there's even one on the baptismal font, sitting back there just waiting to get baptized. Now, they're small, but when you see them now, do you notice them? And if you'd noticed one of them, you might have wondered, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> and if you're a mom, you might have just thought, oh, my kid left a Lego over there. But here's the thing. The reason we don't notice them is, one, they're not real large compared to everything else. Two, our minds are on something different. In fact, they're on all kinds of things. I mean, when I first stood up to say, all right, everyone, welcome to Trinity. Like, there were so many conversations going on. That's not a bad thing. But here's the thing. When you see them, you can see them. But with everything else going on, they can be really hard. Even this one over here that, like, has light shining on it. <laughs> um, if you happen to be able to see it. You won't be able to see it unless you're where I'm at. The Word of God is very much like these little minifigs. Like these little Lego guys. It is so easy to get lost among everything else in our lives, especially when in season and out of season, especially when things are hard, especially when things are busy, especially when I've got a lot on my plate. Here's my to-do list. It starts right here and it goes all the way down to the floor. There's no place for me to think about the word of God in that. I got too much to do. I got to get it accomplished. But the final charge, hear the word of God. Now, why do we need that? Why do we need to be that aware? Because of what he says next. Here's what he tells Timothy. Go back into the text. He says, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. This is what Timothy's supposed to do with the word of God. He is supposed to correct, rebuke, and encourage. Correction is this idea here. Let's say one of you is thinking a certain way, and Paul says that thinking is the wrong way. If we're using our analogy here, we're using our symbol, you'd be having your ramp flipped around. And he says, I want you to use the word of God to help someone recognize 
their ramp is flipped around. They're not thinking correctly and help them flip it. That's the correction. The rebuke is this idea. Somebody who continues to do the wrong thing, Timothy, I want you to go to them and I want you to help them stop going the wrong direction. It's more aimed not just toward thinking but toward acting. I want you to rebuke them. Or somebody who is not doing the wrong thing but continues to think about it, I want you to help them not think about going that direction. And then finally, this last one, encouragement. This is how do I help build you up in such a way you want to go the right direction? How do I help you want to follow after the Lord, want to follow the scriptures? Timothy, I want you to do that with everybody. I want you to help them be open and receptive to God's word. Because that is the only way they're ever going to let God's word correct them, rebuke them, and encourage them. You need to help them be open. Church, the charge to us, be open to really hearing the word of God and letting it, and listen, letting it correct you, letting it rebuke you, and letting it encourage you. It is so darn easy to compartmentalize things. It is so easy to hear a sermon or a message and think, that is such a good point. I agree with that. And then it's like we step out of that box and into a different one and live our lives as if that never happened. Be corrected, be open and sold out into letting the word of God do its job. Let me show you what it looks like to really buy into something. So last year, there was an artist, his name is Salvatore Garou, and in Milan, in a plaza square, he made a sculpture called Buddha in Contemplation. You can see a picture of it online. This is what he said about his work, and just listen to his words. It is a work that asks asks you to activate the power of your imagination, a power that anyone has, even those who don't think they have it, just as music, songs, or prayers help us to see what we do not see, so even a title feeling is enough to make us view and perceive an existence. It doesn't matter whether it's visible or not. If you go online and you look this up, this is what you will see. You'll see the square in Milan, and you will see on the ground a five-by-five square made up of masking tape with nothing in it. Because you're supposed to use your imagination to imagine the sculpture that he made. And someone bought that sculpture for $18,000. As crazy as that is, that person was sold out to it. That person was open to this idea that your imagination can make it real. We need to be that way towards the Word of God. Willing to sacrifice, willing to give in, willing to surrender 
willing to let it actually correct how I think, rebuke how I live, and encourage me to go forward. It's not for sale anymore, by the way. And the last thing he says is this. Back into our text. Timothy, I want you to do this with great patience and careful instruction. Great patience and careful instruction. So, Timothy, here's the thing. Many, many people are not going to listen to you. It's one of the most difficult things about being a pastor. It is actually more difficult than sick visits often or sitting with somebody and talking through something or whatever the time is. I mean, so often people will say to me, I just know you're so busy. One of the most difficult things a pastor does is spend year after year after year after year teaching people the word of God and then not watching transformation. And, and here is what Timothy is being told by Paul. With great patience, you keep going. You keep preaching. You keep sharing with them. They may reject you. They may reject you in a subtle way where they go, oh, that's great, and then just don't do anything. But you keep going because there is one word of God that can lead us ultimately to building our lives in the way that is right and good and beautiful. So you just keep going with all your instruction and with great patience. And here's what I would say to you. I want you to hear the word of God with great patience. Patience with yourself. Patience with others. I want you to have... The word means something like this in Greek. To remain calm even in an anxious situation. You need that for yourself and you need it for other people. We need that kind of patience. If we're going to actually let the work of God, the word of God do the work in us it needs to do. Because every one of us has a lot of work for the word of God to do. So, here's where he ends. Here's the reason this is such a big deal. This is why he ends his whole letter with this right here. And we need to hear it. Verse 3, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Timothy, the reason this is so important, this is what people are going to do. And we have to hear this. People are going to gather around them. People that believe and teach and say the same things they already want to believe. Even if it's wrong. That's what they're going to do, Timothy. They're going to start going, well, I really like this, so I'm only going to do these things, and I'm only going to listen to these people. And anybody over here, I reject. And he says, Timothy, I need you with the word of God to come in there, and you need to help it because it is so utterly divisive. And I can give you multiple examples. I can give you the church. In the church, 
there have been significant divisions, especially over certain theological positions, where somebody says, I believe so much in pre-rapture whatever that I will not associate or listen to anybody who doesn't do the same. Not only that, I will talk negatively about the people who don't do that. No grace happens in the church all the time. It divides them. By the way, Trinity, we've experienced this since I've been here. I know there are people, that a few of you in particular, people who have left Trinity, and a few of you have tried to have conversations with them. You've tried to sit down with them and have a rational, calm conversation. And you can't because they are hell-bent on their own position and gather around them only those voices that will say the same thing. It doesn't just happen in the church. It happens in relationships. And it can be so damaging in relationships because what it does is you put two people against each other and then all of a sudden one side says, I'm just going to find the people that believe like I do. I'm going to find the people that will just support my position. They will say what I want to say. That way I don't have to change at all. That way I don't have to see in any way how I could actually be wrong in this too. It happens in relationships all the time. And you all know where it's happened in our country today. Our country is so utterly divided right now. Politically, it is completely like one side and another side. And one of the biggest issues with both sides, Republicans and Democrats, nobody wants to listen to the other side. We want to, if you're a Republican, you want to stay with Fox News only. If you're a Democrat, you want to stay with CNN only. You want nothing to do with even trying to understand what the other side is thinking, feeling, believing, anything. And here's where it has hurt my heart. It has absolutely entered the church. Politics have become a way to determine whether you are a believer or not. Politics have become a way where people can stand on one side and go, yeah, they don't even know Jesus because there's no way they would do this. Or on this other side, how could they possibly do that? Jesus would never do that. But people aren't talking to each other. And I will tell you what that is. Prideful arrogance is what that is. Because if you think for a moment that you have it all right, you think your position, your theology, whatever it is, you think you've interpreted that situation 100% right, you're full of it. None of us get it 100% right. We have got to listen to each other, especially in the church. So if you were to be in Virginia right now, in the southeastern portion and you were to get some of the drinking water, that would be coming from the Potomac Aquifer. And what you should know before you take the drinking water is there is 
a million gallons of wastewater being pumped into the aquifer. And if you see an article on it, you can see a picture of it. It looks like sludge. It is nasty. It is what is waste. And it's being pumped into drinking water. However, this is the process that it goes through. Today, the district's sewage sewage systems capture wastewater and send it through wastewater treatment plants to remove nutrients and bacteria. Then, each day, the Swift Research Center um, takes a million gallons of water and it goes through an additional treatment that disinfects, filters out harmful contaminants and pathogens, and brings the water up to drinking quality. The advanced treatment plan also adjusts things like acidity and dissolved oxygen levels so the water is appropriate for the aquifer. The problem with the wastewater is not the water. It's everything else. And this actually isn't just happening in Virginia. There's multiple places that are doing this because we are using more groundwater than we have available. Their hope is that eventually it'll be 100 million gallons being pumped into the aquifer. But here's the thing. You can filter out all of the junk and actually make it safe drinking water. But you have to filter it out. And here's the image I want you to think about. If you will not approach other people humbly, if you will not listen to other sides, if you will not listen to the word of God and let it correct you, if you will not be aware that God is trying to speak into your life on a regular basis, you are probably spewing sewage that has not been filtered by the word of God. It's not been filtered by the people around you. It's not been filtered by trying to hear the other side, whatever side you're on. We need that. So my son does one thing right and one thing very wrong with his toy. I'm going to tell you the thing he does wrong first because this is what I think we do. He will say, Dada, build marbles. Dada, build marbles. Dada, build marbles. And so I will come over and I will begin to build the marbles for him. Do you know what he is doing while I am building the marbles? He's getting his own tube and his own little thing and he's just dropping marbles down them while I'm trying to build his thing. And then at some point, I'm nowhere near being done. And he starts dropping marbles into random places. That's That's how I feel like we sometimes pay attention to each other. We're not building anything together. You say your piece, but I'm not really listening to you. I'm focused on my own argument and the things I'm going to say back to you instead of actually listening. God, I heard that from your word. Yeah, I've got that. Instead of actually looking deeply into my own soul and going, do I really got that? Do I really believe that? Am I really living that way? But here's the thing he does right, and we all need to do this. Dada, build marbles. Mama, build marbles. Sissy, build marbles. He is constantly asking others to come build with him. He's constantly asking others to come do this together. That is what we need. That is how we hear the word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, may it be something that we are more and more aware of each day 
something that we allow to correct us, that we're open to, that we humbly sit underneath. And Lord, may we be more open to one another as we go through that process so that we build the right kind of life, a life that is humble and yet full of conviction, a life that is not mean and ugly, but it is filled with grace and love, even for those we may disagree with, and even at times when your word is telling us we got to change something, we just don't know how to change. Lord, let us surrender that we might build our lives in the right way. In Jesus' holy name, amen.